With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. And say, this is my Bible. And I read it every day. I boldly speak the word. I live the word. It is a part of my daily walk with the Lord. Amen. Don't you love him? Yes, we do. Yes. I want you to turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Second Timothy. Chapter 1, verse number 12. In the hand, and I want you to stand on your feet so we can read the word of God. Amen. Second Timothy, chapter 1, verse number 12. And it says, excuse me, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him again that day. I want you to say with me, the great commitment. The great commitment. Blessed Redeemer, we just thank you for the word that you have given today. We thank you, O oh God, that as the word goes forth today, that it will fall on hearts and on ears that are fertile ground, which will receive the word, and that it will be inside of them. And it would be like fire shut up inside of them. That it would cause them to open up their mouths and tell others about the goodness of you and of your mercy and your grace. We thank you, O oh God, for being keeper of our lives. And we thank you for blessing this word today. And then they give Jesus. We pray. Amen. Amen. Gonna talk with us today about the great commitment. Paul made a statement in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, which we just read, and he said several profound statements. I am not ashamed. I am persuaded. He is able, which I have committed to him. When you begin to think about the word commitment, now look at the word commit, it means to enlist, to pledge, to obligate. It is an agreement. It is an action between two or more persons for a determined result or an end. Commit means it is an action between two or more persons for a determined result or in. A familiar passage that says in Psalms 37 and 5, it says, commit thy way unto the Lord. A big word, trust. Also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. When you begin to think about this word, commit, it is an action between two or more persons. Commit thy ways unto the Lord. You have to submit to God for a resulted for a resulting end of good things. It says trust in him. Trust is to rely on him. No doubt it is whatsoever. To put your whole heart inside of it, your confidence in it. And if you trust in Him along with committing, 
shall bring it to pass. Did you get that out of the third of heaven? He's going to bring to pass what? The things that you committed to him, and you trust in him to do it. And then they trust in him to do it. You have the unshakable knowledge that he'll never leave you during your commitment period. He will never forsake you during your commitment period. Because you trust in him and your hope is in him, and he will bring it to pass. So what is that that he's going to bring it past? If you commit your way and you're trusting in it, what is it that he's going to bring to pass? Whatever that you desire, he's going to bring it to pass. We know in the end we're going to live heaven for an eternity. Not burning up. But we're going to be with him wherever it is. With all the things for us. But what else is he going to bring it to pass? He says, if you commit your ways and you trust him, he's going to bring it to pass. I'm saying, but what is he going to bring to pass? Whatever you believe in God for. If you believe in God for a material thing based upon his promises, he's never seen a righteous forsaken. Now on his seed, they bread. So what he's going to bring to pass? That's what you entrusted him with. Material things, there's no problem with that. I hear a lot of churches will tell people, hey, you can't believe for that. But I hear the word of God says, you know, money answers all things. And you need that M-O-N-E-Y to do what? You have to pay the utility. You have to pay for the insurance. You just can't pay one bill and that's going to be for the life term of that car or forever and forever and forever and forever. So he's going to bring it to pass whatever you are looking for that to do. He will bring it to pass your, obe- your disobedient children becoming obedient children. He's going to bring it to pass. He's going to bring works if you believe in him for it. So if I'm going to commit to him, that means I'm going to commit to doing what? I'm going to read his word. I'm going to meditate in his word. It'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, and my leaf will not even wither. I'm going to commit my time to him. I'm going to commit to loving him. I'm going to commit to casting my burdens on him. Because if I'm committed to him, I don't want nothing to hinder me from giving him a full trust. Nothing. Between us can separate it. I love the way Paul wrote it. What can separate from the love of God? Famine, perils, and nothing can. So when you commit to him, he's obligated to do it for you. Have you ever had the conversation that goes somewhere like this? God, if you do this for me, I'll do this. If you deliver me, God, from my enemy, I'm going to live and I'm going to trust. Soon as your enemy it's defeated, you forget. You weren't the only ones. We look at the people coming out of Egypt. Oh, deliverer. They wanted him to deliver them. Once they got to be delivered, it was coming up against Pharaoh's army. We should have stayed back there, in there, where we knew at least we had a place to lay our heads. Now what was on go? But when you begin to commit, you have to realize that I can't become wavering in my trust. I can't go on the other person to trust me for this. It it don't work that way. They can stand in prayer with you, but your trust has to be between you and God. Because friends will mess up, you know, because we love friends. We mess up on our friends. I don't want you to think they're about messing up on me. We do that to them, too, not knowing sometimes. But God says, if you commit to me, I'm going to bring to pass. But in your committal with him, then you got to trust me, too, that I'm big enough, I'm bad enough, I hold the world in my hands, I can do it. You have to commit and trust me that Heaven and hell will pass away, but not hell. You have to totally trust him. So what are some of the commitments that we make? 
All right, let me just show you the commitment that you, an individual, me as an individual, that we make, all right? Look at our living purpose. We commit to doing what? Pay our mortgage, your lease, and your rent. The commitment there is that they will not foreclose on us unknowingly. They won't come and put us out without a notice. We commit that I'm going to pay you X amount of money to live in this property. If it's your mortgage, you're going to commit to paying it for 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, or 30 years, and you're not going to jump ship on me. You're not going to belly up on it, but that I, neither will I. I commit I'm going to pay you X amount of money. I'm going to give a little loan payment at the end, but I'm going to commit to doing it. So what else do we commit? We commit transportation. We, we commit to paying a car payment, whether or not we lease it or own it. And if we own it, we are committed that we're going to take care of your little car. I don't owe Mr. Man for anything, but I commit that if you take me to where I'm going, I commit to putting gas inside of you, give you a little oil to keep you riding smoothly. Come on, I commit to having free on and that to keep me cool. If you commit to just run it, I commit that I give you something to run on, I'll buy you tires. Don't we commit with that call with that? Yeah. Oh, you might not ever say it, but that's the that's the hidden thing behind it. I'm committing to you to make you my own. And you commit to me to do where you need to do. Amen. So what about utilities? Oh, come on. I commit to you, Mr. Utility Company, to provide lights for me. So I won't be stumbling in the dark. Bruises everywhere from hitting my knee to arm. You know how it is when you rearrange furniture? And the first night you rearrange it, you turn the light off and you go in the direction that it used to be in and you run over it and fall. Oh, that ain't never happened to you, but it's really happened to me. Amen. What about for our education? Do we make a commitment that I'm going to finish elementary school? Go on to high school and commit to getting my education. Then I commit to getting my degree. I'm going to go to college and I agree and I commit that if you teach me and give me those tools, then I'm going to pay for your work, for your labor. Do we make those? So they do. We do. Yes, we do. What about employment? Some of the things that we commit to? All right, look at this. I make a commitment with Mr. Job to do what? I'm going to be there on the days that I'm supposed to work. I thank you for giving me Saturday and Sunday off or Monday and Tuesday or Wednesday and Thursday. Whatever days I commit to being off those days, and I commit to giving you my abilities and skills for five days a week. I commit that I'm going to do the job. If you give me 45 minutes or an hour for lunch, I commit that I will leave at the appropriate time and return. That's my commitment. That if I don't obey that, that you have the right to fire me. Those are those clauses. Those clauses in it. To be there, to provide them the work. Right? I also, with my work experience, commit to being subject to my supervisor, my manager. If they tell me to stop, I'm going to stop. They say, don't do that. I'm going to do it. I've committed that. Then with the work that I committed, then I have the understanding that I won't be insubordinate. It's a commitment. With me? I am. Yes, I am. Look at this marriage. Just just love this. I'm committed for better or worse. We don't want to believe that. We know that if the mate gets sick and it's for better work, we're committed to it. You know, we got this little band. Back in the day, if they didn't like the way the wife looked after this or that, they would give her a bill of divorcement. But God had made marriage what? There's no divorce. Now, there are times when a divorce is appropriate. Don't get me wrong. Because if you want to beat you like a pup, uh, I'm not for that. Amen? Yeah. 
Amen. You don't want to be front page news. But in the marriage, we make a commitment that even if he don't buy me that six that six bedroom home, I'm still gonna stay with him. I commit that even if they don't give me children, I'm gonna stay in that relationship. Oh, I don't get a witness there. Some of y'all looking kind of strange at me, but it's a commitment. It is a commitment. Proverbs 16 and 3 says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be accepted. Look at it with me again. I want your eyes to follow these words. It says, Proverbs 16, verse number 3. It says, Commit thy works. So what is the works that you're committing to him? Is it the action of our life? Are you with me there? Is it the action of our life that we're going to commit thy works unto the Lord? How many times do we actually pray that God bless our works? Come on, we said, Lord, I need a J-O-B. I need a job. Not a job, but a job. And, Lord, if you bless me with this job, I'm going to pay your tithes and offering. Because if you don't pay tithes and offering, you bring about a curse. We get that in a couple of months. We're going to talk about it. But, Lord, I asked you for a job. God says, okay, I'm going to give you a job. But you don't commit that job to the Lord. We never commit, God, keep my mind stayed on you, even though my manager, my boss, they, whatever they're going through, they may not do this and that. But I want to commit myself to this, that while I am here, I want them to know that they have favor with you because I am blessing this place I'm with. Most of the time, we don't even thank God for giving us a job. We want to belly up on the job because of A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, and Q, and P. We want to, but we never give thanks for God. Do you realize that you are a believer in Jesus and you're doing what God has called you to do? He has granted you favor with that job. You've got raises, promotions, uh, different things. Do you bless your boss? Do you bless them or do you curse them? They make me sick. Do you want to know why you're sick? So that means when you see them, you become ill. You don't want to blame it because the word that you spoke out of your mouth, you're getting the fruit of it. It don't sound right, but it is. They make me sick. So when you see that, guess what? You become sick. You said it. I'm going to be sick every time I see them because they make me sick. Words of power. Do you bless your job? God, I just thank you for a job that I can go to. I thank you, God, that it has put me in an area, in an arena, where I can only be an example of you in this earth. I can be a true Christian. You know, in the back of your mind, somewhere that the Holy Spirit ought to bring up to you and say, they're going to know you. They're going to know that you have one another. They're not going to know you by a thief. Have you stole every time you look up you you pulling out your pen and you belong to the company you want to have it get in my hand. Maybe just jumped in my purse or my pocket or something. Do they know that you are a gossiper at your job? Are you talking with the gossipers there? You always sit and you eat them with the gossipers and you they don't know you from them. You can eat with the gossiper. But your conversation should be the food of what's on the inside of you. Oh, do we commit to being an example in our workplace for them? Have you ever been in a position at work where all of a sudden they come and buy with those colorful metaphors, you know what they are, a.k.a. cussing? And the next thing you know is they cuss and you, oh, you just have a good time with them. I do when they curse, you know, you look away. Or you might be bold enough to say, you know, you don't have to say all of that to get your point over. I'm a good listener, but I'm not going to listen to that filth because I don't want that filth coming over on here. So if there are times where they could be cursing and they'll go and say, excuse me, excuse me, Dana, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to curse. Girl, I'm sorry. And you say, okay, you know what, sometimes you don't even hear it. You say, hear what? They say, I know you heard me. You say, no, I didn't. I had my mind stayed on Jesus. Come on, you know how that goes. It says, commit your works 
unto the Lord. And the next part says what? And what? Your thoughts. What? What is he saying to this? And your thoughts are going to be established. Look at me. Your thoughts are going to be, what I'm thinking about is going to be established when I commit my actions to you. Thoughts that I think about are going to be established. So God's going to help me get this scientific thing together. You know, what I work and I'm thinking. So what it is, the thing about it is this. If you commit the labors of your hand to God, he's going to bless it. So if you see yourself as a prosperous individual, he's going to prosper because you're thinking the thoughts that God has for you. So you said, Lord, how can I be a blessing to someone God? I'm going to give you more money so you can bless them. I want you to take them out to dinner, take them out to lunch. I want you to buy them breakfast. And I want you to buy their family dinner. I want you to buy them some boots so they keep talking about your boots. I want you to buy them a pair. Give them a gift certificate to that particular store. Your thoughts shall be established. The Bible says he gives us witty inventions. Don't you know, as long as you're doing what God says to do, your thoughts about being prosperous, well, guess what? It will come to pass. So a man thinks that's it. If you're always thinking somebody's going to beat you up, you will get beaten. Uh, it might be funny. I mean, if you keep thinking that they don't like me, they don't like you. If you don't think what God thinks towards you, how can your thoughts be a manifestation of the goodness of God? Amen. Let me run that back by you again. If you think a negative, you're going to get negative. If you begin to think prosperous thoughts, guess what? Prosperity is going to come back to you. If you keep thinking about sowing into people's lives, good things, guess what? So people are going to sow into your life, good things. It's those words coming out of your mouth and what you're thinking in your heart. Some say to him that the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, God. So if you want God to establish your thoughts, to make them prosperous, he will do it. Perhaps you're in this stage of your life when you're seeing the individual and you're saying, Lord, how can I bless him? How can I bless her? And it ain't all about the Benjamins, people. It's not always about the money. Because there are helps. The Bible talks about in Corinthians about the various gifts that he gives. One of them is helps, H-E-L-P-S, that he has, the Minister of Helps. How many of you would say, I want to bless them, let me come over to their house and just clean up for them. But if you are thinking, they say, oh, no, if you can't come over me, I'll be in ramshaw my house, you would have stole everything, went into everything, this and that. Things are, uh-uh. But when your thoughts are good, He's going to establish that. And you're saying, how can I bless somebody? God will tell you exactly what to do. It don't have to be with the money. One of the things that I like to think is how to give a single mom and married couple, single dad with kids, a date night. I think about that. I do. I want to bless them so that they can rekindle the fires. I want to give that single parent an opportunity just to be free, get the personal things that they want done, and to have a good time. I'm not asking for money in return. That's a twofold thing when I'm asking this. If I'm going to babysit your children for you, my part is to keep them entertained and filled with good things. So if they're coming over to my house, my refrigerator is full. They're coming to my house, I got wolf brand chili, hot dog buns, ask my wheels, come on now. If they're coming over to my house, I got twistles, I got Jolly Ranchers, I got everything that they need. I got popcorn for those that like popcorn. I got hot chocolate for those that like hot chocolate. For those that like to have their own bottle full of stuff, I got the little pour it in there, shake it up. Not a lot of sugar, no sugar. Shake it up and they have a whole bottle of soda. So when they're talking about when I'm coming over to my house, I want to bless them. 
I got a couple of teenagers I'm keeping. Hey, I can handle that too. I got some games that they can play. Nothing wrong with a good thing of Scrabble or life. Monopoly, I got all of that. Come on, I got a couple of nice movies for them. I got some popcorn for them. Hey, and if they want to go out, hey, we can go and eat Mexican food. It's a two-way thing I want to impart into them that they don't have to be stressed about when their parents coming back and ain't about hurting or harming them, but allowing them to have a good time. That is to free their parents to do whatever they need to do without having the responsibility of a baby kid, babysitter, and no charge. If I do that, then my thoughts are blessing the parents as well as the children. God will bring to what? Into manifestation. Plus, you know what else he'll do? He'll provide me with the revenue that I need to do those things. Because I'm seeing in my mind how I want to bless those kids. I know little girls like dolls. Hey, I can be a little doll too. You know what I'm saying? Come on, if they want their little nails polished, I don't have a problem with that. You know, the thing about it is, I want to bless so those things in my mind that I want to do towards them. It's going to be done. I'm not even worried about the money. I remember during the summer where uh, certain ones had asked me to keep their children, and I had a car load. We were piled up in that car. We went to the movies. We had us a great day at the movie. We were looking at... Um, uh, the Lego movie. We take them to see the Lego movie. I, I, that was just so funny to me. I was I was the adult in there with all the kids. I was laughing the loudest. <laughs> and one of the little children, they said to me, they said, Pastor Helen, you were the loudest person there. I said, I know I was. It was funny to me. You know, so I enjoyed that. Amen. Thy words in Proverbs 16 and 3, it says, the words is your deeds, the things done, and the uh, acknowledgement of them. Thy thoughts is the device, your plan, and your purpose. Be established is set up, fixed, and stable. When you began to look at that. In the book of Luke, chapter 16, verse number 11, I want one of you all to read it for me. Luke 16. If therefore you have not been faithful, and the unrighteous man uh-huh. who will commit to your trust the true riches. Start reading in verse number 10, read 11 again, and read verse number 12. What says? He that is faithful in that which is least, uh-huh. is faithful also in much. Uh-huh. He that is unjust in the least, uh-huh. is just also in much. Oh, uh, did you get that? If you're faithful in a little thing, you're going to do what? In much. If you cannot be faithful in paying your tithes off $100, it's $10. What's going to happen if you got $100,000? You think you could be faithful paying your tithes on $100,000? Okay, finish. All right, and what it says, read back in again. And he that is unjust in the little, in the least, is what? Which means that you ain't trustworthy. And a little thing, you ain't going to be trustworthy in the much. Verse number 11 says what? Is therefore, uh-huh. What is mamma, unrighteous mamma? The money. The money, okay? All right, just what? What else? Who will commit to your trust the true riches? Oh, oh. So he's talking about if you're not trustworthy in the money, what about the true riches? So what is the true riches that we're talking about right now? The things of the kingdom, is that not right? I mean, if you can't be accountable for the money, what about your true riches? What about those things that are dealing with the lives of others? Oh, oh listen to this. Judas, he was unfaithful with the money. Oh, come on now. He was unfaithful with the money. Do you hear what I'm saying? Just with that. Was he faithful in sharing the gospel? He was so unfaithful that he hung himself. Read number 12. And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man, mm-hmm. who shall give you that which is your own? If you can't take care of other people's stuff, 
You ain't going to take care of your own. You agree or disagree? Oh, we're agreeing with that. I see the nods on everybody. I see the hands going up. You're high-fiving right now. Yes, I understand. No, if people can't trust you to work on the job I'm giving them their full eight hours a day, what happens when you get your own business? You're going to bring in somebody that's not going to be faithful to your eight hours. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it what God says in his word. Amen. So the faithful, what he's talking about, it says, faithful is worthy of trust in business and in command. Unrighteousness, remember, is the worldly wealth and their possessions. The true riches is the precious things of God. Are you going to be trustworthy to tell somebody that they don't have to go to hell? Heaven has it all for him or her. Can he trust you without telling them, you're going to hell, you're going to hell? They probably already know that, but they want to hear life words, and you're too busy condemning them. You think God wants you to condemn his people? No, he does not. He has come to the world to give life, Amen. give them hope, to know that they don't have to continue to walk in darkness. They can walk in light. Have you ever had witnesses? People come to you. They don't know if you're a Christian or not, but they're just out on a witness trail. And all of a sudden, they tell you, uh, do you know Jesus? And then you want to go up and tell them, you know, Romans 10, 9. You want to tell them Romans 10, 9. You want to go there and say, no, no. It wasn't a debate. But you want to debate them just so that they will know that you're saved and that you're holy and you're above them. Because those scriptures say you're above and not beneath, and you want to use it out of content. Have you ever had somebody come witness to you? And you let them go on and everything, and they say, I bless you that you continue because everybody is not witnessing. And you begin to encourage them to go on. You agree that you're doing a good job. They leave satisfied as well as yourself. You think God's going to trust you the next thing you tell them, you know, you want to heal. Oh, it just hurt me all the time. You can tell a person they are not going to go to heaven. And you different techniques, but it's still getting the thing over. Just because they're homeless on the street don't mean that they ain't about something. Because there are people, men and women out there homeless that know about Jesus. They fell upon hard times and seem like they just can't get out. But on the inside, they're saying if somebody would just come and tell me that they love me and Jesus loves me and not try to take you to another land. They should come out. Mm-hmm. You can go there and tell them Jesus loves you and he's concerned about you. And there's a way to get out of the situation. And even if they don't know Jesus, there's a way to say, you don't have to live up under the bridge. Mm-hmm. There are good places that you can go. Let me take you there. Mm-hmm. In Proverbs chapter 8, verses 18 through 19, Proverbs 8, 18 and 19. It says this. It says, riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. Verse 19 says what? My fruit is what? My fruit is better than gold. Yea, that fine gold. What's the latter clause of that? What is this? My what? And my, revenue. my revenue is what? And so what is he saying? He's saying that your fruit is better than gold, the fine gold, choice silver. What is he saying? Your fruit, what fruit are we talking about? The name of all this? The granny apples, the ruby red grapefruits, the red and green seedless grapes, the pineapple, papayas, the mangoes, the wonderful kiwi fruit. So he says your 
the fruit is better than those. What is he talking about? He's going back and talking about what should be falling from your tree. He said that your fruit that's falling from your tree is better than what? Gold. What is the fruit that's falling from Is it love? Is it peace? Is it joy? Is it kindness? Is it long suffering? Oh, man. Oh, I think about that. My fruit being good. And others can eat of it. And feel. The Bible says that John and Peter came up to the man. And they said, silver and gold. We have not. We don't have it. But what we do have, we freely give it to you. So what was the fruit that they gave you? Love. Just look at us. The peace. And throwing out of those brothers for what? Healing. Take my hand. Stretch it forth my hand. Jump up and leave. They weren't worried about their five-bedroom home, two-and-a-half-story. They weren't worried about the wealth that they had. They said, children, go, we don't have it. Because what we're doing, we don't need that. Because God has already fixed a hotel for us to stay. Women born free. Males cooked and prepared. What I can give you is what's falling off my tree. I can give you the love of God, which is shed abroad in our hearts. We can give you the peace that surpasses all understanding, because the keeper is inside of us. We can give you hope for tomorrow, for Jesus is the hope that came. Stand up in the world. He says, my, he says, riches and honor are with me, yet durable riches and righteousness. He said, rubies, riches, diamonds, then honor. They're all with me, and they're better than the richest that you're going to imagine. He said, they're with me, honor. So what is honor? You can rest your bottom dollar that I'm not going to cheat you. It's honor. I'm not going to steal from you. It's honor. I'm not going to backbite against you. It's honor. I'm not going to cast you away when you have kind of fallen before me. I'm not going to get rid of you. I honor you. I call it a privilege. And I'm honored to lift you up and take you against wife by the washing of the word of God. It's an honor to be with you. It was an honor to be with the disciples. Yes, it was. It was an honor to be with them. Why? Because they were doing the things that Jesus himself did. Whether or not it was the shadow of healing, shaking off the viper from their hands, it was an honor to be with the disciples. James 2 and 5. It's in hearken, my beloved brethren. Has not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to them that love him. We're talking about the great commitment. If you commit to doing what God says to do, your fruit is going to be better than all the money in the world. If you commit to him, he's going to keep you steadfast in the way that you ought to go. If you commit to living a holy life, then at your lowest point, the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance those things that you were told. The great commitment is this. I commit, Jesus, that you would lead and direct me in the way that I should go. And, Lord, if I'm getting off to the wrong side, God, remind me every day, God. Remind me, oh God, that it was you that hung, bled, and died for me. It was you that arose on the third day for me. Teach me that I will allow myself to decrease as you increase inside of my life. He says, God has chosen the poor, the poor of this world rich in faith. It ain't about all the money that you have. But if you keep your commitment with God, he will give you riches and honor that no man can, can even imagine about thinking. So you can listen to this. The Bible says that when the world saw the disciples of Jesus, when they saw Peter, they said, Jesus, I'm learned man. 
He does not have the education that he should have had. How can this uneducated person tell a well-groomed, educated person how to be wealthy and safe? It just don't make sense. This is why he's called the poor of this world to be rich. Other people. This poor, unlearned man, according to what the world says, you don't have your cooties uh, behind your name. So what happened? This man's shadow was healing people. They heard that Peter was coming to town, so what did they do? They laid, scripture said, they laid them on the side of the road with what? Why? Just because that this man's shadow will fall on them and they're going to be healed. But he didn't have the college degree. How he takes that and do that is, is, is amazing to me. He says, rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to them that love him. If you keep his commandment, it ain't about the money thing. He said, I will give you much faith. You'll be rich in faith or what else. And then you're heir of the promise that I promise you that I'm going to give you eternal life. I just love the way he said, did you commit to me? I'm going to do my part. And your reward is going to be greater than what you've ever fathomed. The poor of this world are those that the world views as in poverty. They're the ones that they want to cast aside. But God said, oh, I want them. Give them to me. And I will make them great orators of my word. They might study in the natural. Because, <laughs> you know, Moses studied. <laughs> and no man had ever seen God. He studied, and God asked him a question that says, now, who made your mouth, boy? Paraphrasing it now. Who made your mouth? Just for your sake, I'll let you know the Aaron. But God will cause that person that stutters to be the most eloquent speaker that the world has ever known. I thought about James Earl Jones. His testimony is that he stutters. And when you listen to this deep voice, Star Wars uses voice. And you know, if you ever hear it, you don't have to see it, but if you hear it, it's a powerful, powerful voice that captivates the ear and calls people to stop and listen. But he said he used to stutter. God can use anybody with any kind of a problem and cause them to be great from the kingdom of God. And in closing, in Revelation chapter 3, verse number 18, go there with me, Revelation 3, verse 18. He says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich in white raiment, and that the shame of your nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes for thy says that thou mayest see. He says, come and buy of me. That means come unto him and get him. You can't buy God with a price. Come and offer yourself to him. Like gold tried in, in fire. Listen to him. He says, come of me. Because the money all belongs to God, and there's not a fee or an amount that we could ever give to God. But with a great commitment, this is what he wants you to do. Come to him. Commit your thoughts to him. Commit your life to him. And while you're committing that, he's going to give you whatever you, whatever you need in this season, in the next season, and the seasons to come. And if you will put your commitment to him, 
And while you're committing them to do it, he says, I want you to trust. Because even though you sometimes commit, and we all do, we sometimes commit, and we can overcome point number A, point B through G. We, we did that. Now we on the L-O-N-O-P. And what we do, we want to get out of trust. Because the more you walk with God, the more you trust in him, the more you're committing your ways, you will find yourself at another level in God. And with every new level comes what? A new past. And your faith has to grow from the, at that next level. So he wants you to commit it to him and then trust him that he's going to do it. And he will bring it to pass. Parents will offer their child for child dedication. And they bring and say, I commit the church to rear my child. You know, we're happy. We get them a little white. They look at our team. They live and they say, coo, 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 coo. oh, that is so cute. That you when they're good. It's all right. That's enough of that. But the thing about it is, we commit that child to the Lord. I know we do. And it's just in that intent that we want the church to be inside of them. But we don't want to commit to it. You know how it is. You're not going to bring that baby to church because the cares of this life has taught you and engulfed you so much in it. You don't have time for God. So you ain't bringing the children. We're not committed to that. But if you commit to it, that means that even when you don't feel like it, you're going to go to church and make sure that child is in Sunday school. But sometimes when the parents don't feel like it, they'll get the neighbor or the church bus that come in the neighborhood to pick up the child and take them because you committed that that child is going to hear about Jesus. Y'all with me? I, I know, I know, I know what I'm talking about there. Everybody has been in that, not everybody, some of us have been in those positions before. And then we get our lives right, and the kids come home. You know why I get the lives right? Because kids come home and tell you what they learn in Sunday school. Yeah. Uh, you, know that, you know they do. You, you sit in there, you see when you hang over the city, U.S. of A. And the thing about it is, you know, I'm going to talk about life. And the children come back and say, you know what I learned today? I learned how Jonah was disobedient. and he got swallowed up by a big old fish. And then he praised, oh, Mama, he and God caught that fish to throw him up. Mama, did you know that? And you say, well, that's good. That's a little good, little Johnny, though. That's good. (laughs) All right. They said, Dad, let me tell you, you know what I learned? And those kids are waking you up to what they have been taught. And guess what they're doing? They're pouring water. And that soul that has been kind of hardened. And they come back, that little bitty drop of water, he really didn't do anything, but it kept the plant from dying out. They come back the next Sunday and say, You know what I learned? He said, Oh, tell me. I learned John 3 16. I can read it and I can say it by memory. For God so loved the world. And you're holding your head down, parents. But you can hit it. Everybody needs to bring your dedication. Oh, I know. All right. Thank you, Jesus, on that. I hear the amen. Say a high fire up there in the bathroom. And yeah. The thing about it is, it's just that if we commit our actions of our life and the things that we want to help us to be a better person, we have to trust him that he's going to bring it to pass. Scripture says the good work that he has begun in you, he's going to complete it. Scripture says he knows the plan that he has for you to give you hope and expect it in. We got to trust when it don't look like there's a way out. I commit my life to you, God, but it just seems like nothing is happening. God said, it's okay. I know what I'm doing. I told you I'm going to bring it to pass. What you're looking for? He said, don't cast away your confidence. There is a great reward for you. Don't cast it away. For the spirit of heaviness, put up a good little place. Just get the wave in your hand. Get heaven in your view. Trust me. What you can't see, 
I'll see you. When you feel like you can't walk, I'll pack you. So you'll only see my footprints in the sand. But you continue to commit to me, and every day begin to thank me, I'll cause your leaves never to wither. And I'll cause you to be prosperous. I want you to know that if you commit your way to me and trust in me, guess what happens? I'm going to prosper you. Prosperity will be at your gate. If you can commit to your works, your works to me, that your thoughts may be established, I know the thoughts that I think of towards you. If you continue to commit to me and trust that I can bring you over, well, God, these times seems so mountainous to me. What shall I do? Do I take care of me? Because I love you. Kiss your skin. Kiss your bread on the water. Can't take care of me. Guess what? I don't want to see you burdened. I don't want to see you stressed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you commit to me, then it's a great commitment. You made a commitment for your house. And all of that, now commit your life to me. And watch me prosper you. Watch me cause men to give unto you. Watch your blessing be shaken together, running over. That all you can do is give up your fruit that's falling. The blessings that I've given to you, you're giving that others are happy. Others are set free. I'm going to bring it to pass. Don't you just love him? Amen. Let's stand on our feet. In the name of Jesus, we just thank you. We just praise your God for all that you have done for us, all that you shall do to us and for us. God, we thank you for it, God. We thank you that you are steadfast and you never change, God. We thank you, oh God, that if you spoke it, you will perform it. And we It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.